It took 24 hours for Elon Musk to go from radical innovator to sexual predator. What happened? And pro-abortion politicians are being denied the Eucharist in the Catholic Church. Should that even be allowed? Whoopi Goldberg says no. Plus, Bill Maher takes on the Alphabet Gang, and we discuss why we've gotten to the place where even atheist comedian Bill Maher thinks it's getting crazy, and monkeypox is coming. Why does that matter, and why should you know about it? This is your favorite out of the week, The Deep End, on Tim Hatch, live! Hey, everybody, everybody, it's uh, Tuesday night, it's 7.30, and we are together again, and I'm so glad that you are here, and if you are here, do me a solid favor, and would you preemptively like the video, even though we haven't gotten to the content yet, because I know you're going to like the video, and it is my absolute pleasure to bring this content to you. The Deep End is where we discuss news and politics from a Christian perspective. If you're not a Christian, I'm glad you're here, too. Maybe you can just lean in and learn what we crazy Christians really think, yeah? Season 5, episode 28 on The Deep End, and it's youtube.com slash Tim Live. So Elon Musk has gone from really incredible inventor and innovator uh, to sexual predator overnight. And I kid you not, overnight. So this is what happened. This is how it all went down. Are you ready? Um, last week, he tweeted out, in the past, I voted Democrat because they were mostly the kindest party, but they have become the party of division and hate, so I can no longer support them and will vote Republican. Now watch their dirty tricks campaign against me unfold. And like clockwork, 24 hours later, a woman came forward and made a sexual misconduct claim against Elon Musk. I mean, unbelievable. The, the, the political left is playing poker with their cards facing out. I mean, this is how they operate. Now, it's just amazing to see this thing happen again and again and again. And this is exactly why people like me did not believe Christy Blasey Ford at all. You remember this woman? She accused Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh of sexual assault during a high school party where no one else could cooperate her story. And even she was unable to remember the exact dates or the location of the party. Anyone with half a brain knows that this was an attempt to stop what we are seeing happening now. Roe v. Wade getting overturned by the Supreme Court. So let's throw up this bogus accusation against Brett Kavanaugh to make sure that we stifle his ability to become a Supreme Court justice. Oh, and by the way, Brett Kavanaugh just voted with the majority opinion on overturning Roe v. Wade, at least according to the recent leak, assuming it's all true. Now, when it comes to Elon Musk, we need to know what was hap what happened. Evidently, the allegation was made by a flight attendant who worked for SpaceX years ago. Uh, she claimed that Musk asked for a full body massage, and then she returned later on in during the flight, and he was naked and promised to buy her a horse if she performed sexual acts for him. Now, Elon Musk has come out, and instead of just denying, because sometimes when these people deny, 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 it's almost like guilt by denial. You know what I'm talking about? And what I love about Elon is that he refuses to play the game. He knew this was coming, and good for him, calling it out, actually predicting it and then calling it out, and then making light of these things. Because at some point, <laughs> we have to say, it's getting a little bit nutty how clearly when you rage or dare to rebel against the regime, Things, start, things like this start happening to you. So someone on Twitter named Chad Hurley tweeted out to Elon Musk, and I love this exchange. He said, hey, Elon Musk, stop horsing around and close this de Twitter deal. We all want a happy ending. And Twitter Musk, I mean, and Elon Musk, Twitter Musk, Elon Musk responded, hi, Chad, long time no see. Fine, if you touch my wiener, you can have a horse. <laughs> 
I know. I'm a pastor. I shouldn't laugh at those things. But that's genuinely funny. Um, here he is. He's just like saying, man, this is so ridiculous. By the way, he did, I guess, pay this woman off $215,000. Make sure you understand that number in relation to Elon's wealth. He's the richest man in the world. He could have paid her off $2 million. She only got $215,000. This is what's called an annoyance settlement, which means that it is just so small and it is so, it's going to take too much of his time to defend his innocence that he just gave her 200 grand to make her go away, which undermines the woman's testimony completely for taking that money. Like if he really assaulted you, if he really harmed you, take him to court. Don't settle for a measly $200,000 from the richest man in the world. Anyway, the more false accusations of sexual misconduct that are based on politics of the person, the worse it is for those who are truly assaulted by sexual misconduct. Like the less seriously we take women's testimony, the worse it is for, oh, I don't know, women. Mind you, these political attacks come from the side of the aisle that claim to care about women's health by removing any and all limits from murdering women in their mother's womb. Now let's get to Deep End News. Deep End News. News and views that don't make us news. So Nancy Pelosi, CNN reporting, has been barred from communion over her pro-choice stance. Now, I, I think we should refer to, it, refer to it as the Eucharist because that's what the Catholics call it. And Nancy Pelosi, she claims to be a devout Catholic. She has a lot of kids and good for her having kids. That's a very positive thing. But evidently, the Archbishop of San Francisco has had enough of her blatant support for abortion, abortion on any stand on abortion for any reason, and she will fight and speak for it and politic for it and vote for it. Well, good for the archbishop having a backbone enough to say enough is enough. You are now going to be denied communion. And so the question now becomes in the uh, cultural, <laughs> cultural wars mind, how dare the archbishop do what the archbishop is actually supposed to do, which is hold those who claimed to hold to the faith accountable to actually holding to the faith. This prompted Whippy Goldberg at The View to go ballistic. Watch. Welcome to The View, y'all. The abortion rights battle is starting to blur the lines between church and state. The Archbishop of San Francisco is calling for Speaker Nancy Pelosi to be denied receiving communion because of her pro-choice stance. He's one of the priests who also called for President Biden to be denied sacrament. This is not your job, dude. <laughs> that is not, you can't, that is not up to you to make that decision. You know, what is the saying? It's kind of amazing. Uh, but, you know, what is the point of communion, right? It's for uh, sinners. It's the, for, the, for sinners. It's the reward of saints, but the bread of sinners. How dare you? How dare you? That is, if Pope Francis says that that's the issue. But yeah, so that was her um, gripe about the decision by the archbishop. By the way, the pope did say, not this pope, but previous popes, Pope John Paul II, did say that it is the responsibility of all faithful Catholics to fight for, defend, and legislate for the sanctity of human life in any situation. So Whoopi Goldberg is both divorced from Catholic history, Pope history, and from scriptural doctrine. Like, I have a lot of uh, disagreement with Catholic theology, but here's where we actually agree that the leaders of the church do have the right to deny communion and fellowship with those who refuse to practice the church's, the church's policies, the church's uh, faith practices. 
And Whoopi Goldberg, this is exactly that archbishop's job. He must guard his church and protect his church from those who would claim to follow the truth and live exactly the opposite. And by the way, Whoopi, you have no right to speak on what the Catholic Church should do. You aren't Catholic as far as I know. You most likely don't attend a Catholic Church or believe pretty much anything the Catholic Church believes. Whoopi reminds me, however, as a pastor, of the people that come to church and they have all kinds of problems and issues with what the church does and says, but they don't give, they don't serve, and they don't live according to the teachings of Scripture. I have found usually in my, my church, in my leading, that the loudest complaints come from the cheapest saints. The loudest complaints come from the least invested saints. Yeah, loudest complaints from the least invested saints. You could, you could tweet that because this is what happens. People want to throw rocks at the church when they're not actually even personally vested in the church. And there is no co- constitutional commandment or amendment forcing Nancy Pelosi to belong to the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church can pretty much do whatever it wants with its members so long as it doesn't break the laws of this country or the laws of biblical moral- morality, right? This is what the separation of church and state is all about, by the way. This is why I love this country. It's in place for this exact purpose, to keep people like Whoopi Goldberg and the rest of her view hens out of the business of telling a privately funded church what they can and cannot do. Whoopi, you might be more comfy in China, where Chairman Mao orders the official state Chinese church who to appoint as bishop and what pictures to post on the walls of the church. But this is not how America works. And if you are going to be an American, maybe mm, familiarize yourself with the First Amendment. Secondly, as much as I disagree with Catholics on doctrines, it's nice to see some courage here. It's nice to see the Archbishop of San Francisco actually have a backbone. You're doing what so many pastors refuse to do. Have a standard in truth and make enemies because of it. Trust me, unbelieving Americans, non-Christians listening to this content, let me just tell you, you want a church that bars weak-willed members like Nancy Pelosi from fellowship. You do. You want a church that actually has a standard it upholds and expects those who profess the faith to adhere to. Why? Because there's nothing more toxic to unbelievers than some hybrid mix of worldly and biblical thinking in the minds of believers. We talked about this last week with pastors who don't believe the Bible is actually the true word of God anymore. See, I think that when the church takes a stand, it makes it clear. And, oh, I'm sorry. When, when the church takes this, a stand like this and then makes it clear what it means to follow Jesus, and those not interested will not then be bait and switched into some form of half-breed Christianity, that actually makes the church better, and it makes it clear for unbelievers what it means to follow Jesus. Make no mistake. Jesus did not just come to coddle comfy congregants. He came to draw a clear line in the sand. Here's who are for me, and here's who are against me. And he also challenged people who wanted to follow him flippantly to count the cost, take up their cross, reject every other affection in favor of him, and follow him. To be a Christian is to have convictions that the world might not be okay with. And to be part of a church is to be challenged in those convictions by leaders who have a backbone to stand up and say, thus says the Lord. I wish that in the Protestant movement, we had, a, we had far more poli- uh, Christian leaders like the Archbishop of San Francisco who would stand for truth and let the chips fall where they may, even if Whoopi Goldberg doesn't approve. But it leads me to a thought, a thought about what it means to be a Christian. Let me ask this question of the Christians following me. Do you have a Nancy Pelosi kind of faith? 
Do you understand what I'm talking about here? A Nancy Pelosi kind of faith is a faith that says, well, I know this is wrong, but in my public actions, I'm going to go along with it because after all, that's the way of the world. Like one of the things that Nancy Pelosi faith does, and, and there's a lot of politicians that say this. In fact, our sitting president says this, quote, I'm personally opposed to abortion, but I don't want to legislate my morality on someone else, end quote. The president says that, Nancy Pelosi says that, a host of Catholic politicians in this country say that. The reason why is because they want to be elected to public office and they read the tea leaves concerning public opinion on abortion rights. But their statement, I'm personally opposed, but won't legislate morality, doesn't even make sense. We legislate morality all the time. Murder is still a crime in this country. That's morality. That's legislated. You still, at least in some ways, will go to prison for killing someone else. Not maybe in a couple of years, but we'll see what happens, right? Legislated morality is how a country functions, friends. And the moment that we stop legislating morality is the moment the wheels fall out. Look at Walgreens closing down their locations in San Francisco because they reduced legislation concerning shoplifting. And now Walgreens can't even stay in business because the shoplifting is so rampant. By the way, the whole I'm personally opposed to but will not legislate my morality on someone else, you would never say that about any other sin. For instance, imagine Nancy Pelosi coming out and saying, I'm personally against racism, but I would never push my religion on someone else. Yet racism is a heinous sin. It's partiality. It's godless. It's evil. It's of the devil. And yet politicians have no problem fighting against racist policies, ending segregation and slavery, as they should have in this country. But the difference is that racism is culturally acceptable as a sin. Abortion, not so much. Or no one would ever say, I'm personally against extortion, but I would never push that on someone else through laws. Well, why not? Don't you think that people shouldn't have people extort them for money on false accusations or threaten them? But this is what it is about abortion or gay marriage. It's culturally acceptable. So politicians who claim to be Christians will go along with the culture instead of standing up for truth. And then abortion, the killing of an innocent life, gets a pass. We can, we can allow for that even if our personal convictions may be different, the pro-abortion politician, Catholic politician says. And this leads to what happens in our country right now on so many other areas, particularly on LGBTQ. And I'm going to do a deep end commentary about this in just a moment, because when we allow for sin to be tolerated, it never settles for toleration. It always ends up in domination. The scriptures teach this, and we're going to look at it through the lens of an unlikely source, Bill Maher on HBO. Let's hit the deep end commentary. When you don't know what to do. Alright, so Bill Maher, I, I talk about him a lot on this channel because he really is quite an enigma culturally right now. On all the issues of social, you know, debate, 
he and I disagree on, you know, LGBT and on uh, abortion and on a lot of economic policies. I mean, he's on the exact opposite side. And I call him out when he's different than me. And then I also pay attention when he's kind of like sliding over to my side. And by the way, he's not on my side at all. But it is kind of interesting to see him talk about the LGBTQ movement. Like, you know, things are getting cray cray when even Bill Maher thinks it's gone too far. He's getting some flack for a commentary that he did on his show last week uh, on Real Time. Here's the opening segment, and we're going to talk about it. Watch. And finally, new rule. If something about the human race is changing at a previously unprecedented rate, we have to at least discuss it. Broken down over time, the LGBT population of America seems to be roughly doubling every generation. According to a recent Gallup poll, Less than 1% of Americans born before 1946, that's Joe Biden's generation, identify that way. 2.6% of boomers do, 4.2% of Gen X, 10.5% of millennials, and 20.8% of Gen Z. Which means if we follow this trajectory, we will all be gay in 2054. (laughs) This is a very valid point. Like, what is going on? Watch. And then who's going to buy this chair? (laughs) It wasn't that long ago when adults asked a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? They meant, what profession? (laughs) In the wake of America about to lose abortion rights, the ACLU recently tweeted a list of those who would be disproportionately harmed by this. You would think women might top that list. Hmm. No, wasn't even on the list. No. Second on the list was LGBT. Really? Abortion rights affects gay and trans people more than, you know, breeders. (laughs) I'm happy for LGBT folks that we now live in an age where they can live their authentic lives openly. And we should always be mindful of respecting and protecting. But someone needs to say it. Not everything's about you. Yeah, not everything's about you. And, And he goes from that segment to this segment. Watch this. I don't understand parents who won't let their nine-year-old walk to the corner without a helmet, an EpiPen, and a GPS tracker. (laughs) And God forbid their lips touch dairy, but... (laughs) But hormone blockers and genital surgery? Fine. Talk about a nut allergy. I mean, he's exactly right here, too. And he talks about the fact that Finland and Sweden have stopped prescribing hormone blockers because of their long-term effects on bone density among children and grown adults. He also talks about how rampant this ideology, ideology is in L.A. and not Ohio, asking why is it regional? He says this, either Ohio is shaming them or California is creating them. And then he mentions a woman named Dr. or man pretending to be a woman named Dr. Erica Anderson, a 71 year old clinical psychologist who is also transgender and also says this has gone too far. See, it's really become trendy to be LGBTQ. And the more and more and more we have given into this ideology, the more cultural ground it has taken and it has started to infect even Christian parents concerning their children. You think about what he's saying, it's 100% true, and, and he's a comedian, atheist comedian. And then this brilliant bit at the end, which I thought was just funny, we'll throw it in. 
gender fluid. Kids are fluid about everything. If kids knew what they wanted to be at age eight, the world would be filled with cowboys and princesses. <laughs> I, I wanted to be a pirate. I, <laughs> Thank God nobody took me seriously and scheduled me for eye removal and peg leg surgery. <laughs> Got to give him credit. He is hilarious. And it's amazing to see him kind of move over. Not really move over because he'll say that to you. I haven't moved. It's the people around me. The, the, the leftist progressives that have moved. They have gone completely nutso. We are living in an age where this celebration is starting to cost us genuinely. But bringing you back to the deep end commentary, because what I want to do is give you biblical understanding of what is happening. Where are we? Because there's a lot of questions about this, a lot of Christians. What is going on? Here's what's going on. Are you ready? It's a fundamental misunderstanding of sin. Sin is not something that you do. Sin is something that owns you. And this is what we are born into. We are born into slavery to sin. And here's what you have to understand the misunderstanding of our culture is. The misunderstanding is this, that if we allow for a little bit of sin, we can manage with it. Like if we just allow, you know, I know it's sin, but if we just you know, make allowances for it, well, then eventually we just kind of like get the appetite you know, satisfied, and we move on. This is a falsehood. This is not ever how sin works. Ever, ever, ever. And anyone with an alcohol or drug or porn or shopping or gambling addiction can tell you this. A little LGBT tolerance in 2003 led to forcible acceptance in 2015 and is gaining momentum toward cultural dominance in 2022 just 19 years to go from maybe we should allow them to get married to everyone should be gay in a few years. You see, you can't toy with sin. Scripture's very clear in Romans chapter 6, 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one to whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? See, sin never calms down, friend. Sin never gets satisfied. That nature inside of you, that addiction for whatever you think is going to make you happy, if it's not in accordance with God's will and God's plan for you, it will ultimately enslave you. It will take you captive. We are hap seeing this happen individually as depression and anxiety are on the rise on the heels of less and less biblical understanding in our country. We're also seeing it culturally as we give way, give leniency, give more tolerance to sinful standards, and then the culture starts to become enslaved to them. Enslaved means dominated by them, ruled by them, and then the captives start pouring in. For instance, reported at foxnews.com, at least 135 teachers' aides charged with sex crimes this year alone. That's just this year. We're only up to May 19th at the time of this publication. Someone, someone says in the publication that it's about one per day, one sex abuse at the hands of a teacher or an aide on a child per day in the school system. No wonder, by the way, when we have teachers like this guy. This is a male teacher at Loyola School in New York City. He put a Facebook post on his Facebook about how good it feels to wear women's undergarments to school and coming out as non-binary to his students. 
Evidently, the principal had nothing to say when Libs of TikTok reached out to them and posted this on their on their on her uh, Twitter page, and the teacher subsequently deleted his Facebook account as soon as the outrage ensued. Good job, by the way, Libs of TikTok. Score another one for the team. He's been at it for a while, though. As last March, he posted pictures of himself in a dress to his Facebook account and said it made him feel very teachery. This is a sicko. This is a disturbed individual. And this is why we probably shouldn't have closed the mental institutions in this country. But moreover, the allowance, the tolerance leads to dominance is evident on Twitter almost every single day. For instance, did you know that today, May 24th, 2022, is quote-unquote pansexual visibility day and the hashtag is available for anyone who wants to celebrate it this stuff never ends it never ends did you know that there are about 143 sexual identities 143 sexual identities and so here's where we're going friends a few weeks ago we had trans visibility day today's pansexual visibility day eventually we're going to have gender queer visibility day aromat aromanat Aromantic. The names are so ridiculous. I can't even pronounce them. Aromantic Visibility Day. And before you know it, Christmas, Easter, and Thanksgiving will be replaced with days to celebrate your genitals and their preferences. And if you say anything, you're a bigot. If you dare question it, you're a homophobe or a queerophobe or a transophobe. I don't know. Name your phobe and label them. Unless, of course, you're a Muslim. If you're a Muslim and you have a problem with this, then the Western world bends over backwards to make sure you're not offended. I bring you news from Western University in Canada. Western University LGBTQ poster sparks Muslim community backlash. So a Western University social media post, this article says, supporting the fight against homophobia included an illustration of two women in hijabs about to kiss, sparking a backlash from London's Muslim community that forced schools, school officials to delete it. Did you catch that? That when the Muslims have a problem with this, the university has students in uproar. The students are in uproar. So from reporting from the uh, not the bee.com, the backlash came from a local Muslim leader, Imam Abd Al-Fatah, Tawaki, who called the image inappropriate and had his community draft a response pushing the university to delete the post altogether. Homosexuality is stricken forbidden in Islam. We all know what can happen to a member of the LGBTQ community in an Islamic state. And get this, a petition to remove the post garnered 2,000 signatures from the students. Why is that so alarming to me? Because here's the rules. Are you ready for it? Muslims are allowed to fight to preserve their culture. They are allowed to get mad at LGBTQ posters and representation. They can tell a top Christian university, I'm mean, sorry, a top Canadian university to remove their LGBTQ promotional material without being called evil bigots. But when a Christian baker says no to baking a trans cake or a gay wedding cake, we have to force this man to defend himself all the way to, to the Supreme Court. Different rules, I guess, for different faiths. But this is what's happening in our country and in our culture right now. We've allowed to, our country has tolerated sin. And sin never settles for being tolerated. Eventually, sin does what sin always does. It enslaves and dominates.
Take, for instance, the outrage in Maine, the state of Maine, where I think moose outnumber the population of humans. But an LGBTQ lesson was struck down by the governor and intense pushback ensued. Why? Because we made room for sin's rule in this country. This is from Augusta, a teacher whose LGBTQ lesson plan for kindergartners was removed from a state website, said Friday that the governor and education department succumbed to outside pressure. So this is what happens when you give sin a leash. It starts pulling you around. And the moment you enforce limits, it bites and it leads to bigger dogs who ultimately destroy anything. Check this out from the article. The lesson plan was at the heart of a Republican attack ad that accused Democratic Governor Janet Mills of spending $2.8 million to create racial school I'm sorry, radical school lessons aimed at kindergartners. On the video, the teacher discusses freedom holidays. There you go. Like 4th of July, Juneteenth, Women's Equality Day, before discussing freedoms won by LGBTQ community, including same-sex marriage. She talks about sexual identities under the umbrella of LGBTQ plus in the discussion. The governor previously said she agreed with the Department of Education's review that concluded that the lesson wasn't age appropriate. Kalina Mills disagreed with that assessment, citing a study that showed gender identities are solidified between ages 5 and 7. What? Gender identities are solidified between ages five and seven? What about the gender fluid gender identity? How can something fluid be solid? Well, because in the name of sexual progressivism and sexual lunacy, even the laws of science have to be manipulated to call fluidity a settled, solid state. Look at the final line in the article. She wrote Friday that she taught preschoolers who are transgender and non-binary and said those children and those families deserve to be represented in their school curriculum. Preschoolers are transgender and non-binary. Again, in the words of Bill Maher. Gender fluid. Kids are fluid about everything. If kids knew what they wanted to be at age eight, the world would be filled with cowboys and princesses. This is what happens when you let sin rule. It applies to your individual life. It applies to your community's life. It applies to the national life. We have tolerated sin, and sin never settles for being tolerated. It eventually gets dominated. Mind you, the science never has an answer. Science never has an answer because science has to be beholden to feelings now. In 2016, MIT held a secretive conference a secretive conference on how to handle social ills. One of the topics was sex addiction, and sex addiction and pedophilia. And the answer that one company proposed was, I kid you not, sex robots. Sex robots to the rescue. This is from New Scientist. This is an article from 2016 where it said MIT researchers wanted to explore the possibility of building sex robots, that is, robots made to look like humans and, if necessary, even children so that pedophiles can have sex with the sex robot to alleviate their sexual deviancy in a way that won't lead them to abusing a minor. Ron Arkins, this is from Ron Arkin, this is from a robotics engineer at the Georgia Institute of Technology said, "People should not only legally be permitted to have such dolls, but perhaps some should be handed prescriptions for them. In his opinion, VR and sex robots might function as an outlet for people to express their urges, redirecting their dark desires toward machines and away from real children." But again, ladies and gentlemen, this is a fundamental misunderstanding of the sin nature. You cannot you must not give it 
room. I absolutely guarantee you that having sex with a robot will not alleviate the problem of sexual deviancy. It will only exacerbate the problem. Because the moment that you allow sin to rule, the moment that you tolerate it, it pushes back. Then you get attacked by the consequences of your own desires. And all of this brings me to another atheist comedian named Ricky Gervais. This just broke today. Ricky Gervais just released a new Netflix special. The Netflix special, I believe, is called Humanism or Humans or something like that. And he's a bit of a dirty guy, an atheist, a comedian, and he likes to and very often mocks the Christian faith in his work. In fact, in the official Netflix trailer that was released on social media, he says, quote, I'm just a guy walking around talking to people sort of like Jesus, only better, because I actually show up. And the audience applauded and laughed. And that's what Christians have grown accustomed to. Am I right? We've grown accustomed to pop culture making fun of us, like harpooning us, mocking us. Our faith will be sidelined and marginalized. And we also understand as Christians that it's something that Jesus told us to rejoice over. See, that's the difference between Christians and the LGBT squad. Because when comedians come for Christians, we kind of yawn and say, what's new? But when they target the sexually religious, watch out, because the sin that they allowed and tolerated comes back to bite them. I want to do a little experiment. Let's do a little project, and then we're going to ask a question. I'm going to share two clips from the special that uh, Ricky Gervais just released. The first clip is a clip in which Ricky targets uh, Christians on another level. Let's take a look at this, uh, this, this clip first. Watch this. People quiz me on Twitter when they find out I'm an atheist. They go, what, what you don't believe in God at all? I go, no. Do, do you pray? I go, no. They <laughs> go, why don't you pray just in case there's a God? And I say, why don't you put garlic over your door just in case there's a Dracula? Right? Uh, <laughs> I've got no problem with praying, you know. I know loads of nice Christians and Muslims and Jews, and if one of my family is very ill, they always say, oh, I'll pray for them. And I always say, oh, thanks very much, because it's a nice gesture. If they said, oh, we also cancelled the chemotherapy, I go, don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> pray, feel your boots, son, but let's, <laughs> let's do the praying and the chemotherapy, shall we? Because that's the same result as just the chemotherapy. So let's, let's definitely keep that one, shall we? Like, that's, you know, funny. It's, it's not nothing new. It's a little bit of a knock on Christians. It's not that bad. And you know what? Christians will hear that, and there's going to be no pushback. Like, the Christian post is not going to respond with outrage. Not the bee is not going to post an image of it and saying, Ricky Gervais unfairly attacks Christians. But let's take a look at a second clip. Netflix did not tweet this one because they have no guts. And this is Netflix. Uh, this is another clip from Ricky Gervais's uh, special uh, targeting a different community. Watch. The old fashioned women. Oh, God. You know, the ones with wombs. Oh. <laughs> Those dinosaurs. Oh. No, I love the, the new women. I know the new women. They're great, aren't they? The, you know, the new ones we've been seeing lately. The, the ones with beards and. They're as good as. They're as good as gold. I love them. No, it's the old-fashioned. And now the old-fashioned, they're like, oh, they want to use our toilets. Why shouldn't they use your toilets? For ladies. They are ladies. Look at their pronouns. 
what about this person that isn't a lady? Well, his penis. <laughs> Her penis, you f bigot. <laughs> what if he rapes me? What if she rapes you? You know, there we go. So here's the question. Those are the two clips. Let me ask you a question. Which group do you think is going to make the most noise about this? Too late to answer because by 11.30 a.m. of this morning, news broke from Pink News, quote, Ricky Gervais's new Netflix special is an anti-trans garbage fire. Yeah, and by the way, yesterday the bench where Ricky filmed Afterlife, one of the key scenes of the show, was vandalized in Nottingham Park in London. Coincidence? No, not at all. Remember, just two weeks ago, a madman took to the stage to attack Dave Chappelle with a knife made to look like a gun. And the Daily Mail reported that Dave Chappelle's attacker, Isaiah Lee, broke his silence and reveals that he was triggered by jokes about LGBTQ community and homelessness when he attacked a comedian on stage. In his own words, quote, I identify as bisexual and I wanted him to know what he said was triggering, Lee said Saturday at the Twin Towers Correctional Facility in Los Angeles. I want him to know that the next time he should consider first running his material by people who could affect it, uh, who could affect. Uh, this is the same idea of the people who want a truth and information board run by our government. Now your words need to be checked by a governmental agency. See whose side the government is really on. By the way, that man who attacked Dave Chappelle so viciously was only charged with four misdemeanors, minor offenses that won't cost him much because of course we need to protect these vulnerable identities while sin reigns and dominates. Friends, all of this comes back around to the fundamental misunderstanding of sin. That if we allow for a little bit of it, we can manage to live with it. This is not true. Case in point, and biblically speaking, there was a guy named Samson. And Samson was supposed to be a mighty man of God who would deliver Israel from the Philistines. Unfortunately, Samson had a taste for philandering with non-Jewish women, particularly Philistine women. And every time he took another bite of that taste, it was never satiated. His appetite was never satisfied. He needed more. And down and down he went, down the moral spiral, to ultimately being bound and blinded and grinding in the prisons of the Philistines. A man who was called to lead Israel in deliverance was enslaved by the people he was called to deliver them from. This is a picture, my friends, a picture of what sin does to the human condition. It blinds you, it binds you, and it grinds you. And eventually, if you allow for it, it will take ownership of you. And that's exactly where we are in the cultural moment that we find ourselves. And if we don't see it, we are sitting ducks for it. I can't stop the world from getting like this, but I am trying to appeal to Christians and those who would become Christians that there is an answer to the enslavement of sin. The answer is Jesus Christ. He sets us free. He makes us new. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to say no to sin and no to deception and yes to everything good and pleasing to our Father in heaven. If you allow sin in your life, it needs to stop. If you're dancing or flirting with adultery 
or sexual proclivities that are outside of the biblical ideology. Or gambling or stealing or lying or cheating. You need to watch yourself because our culture is teaching us far better than most preachers that if you give sin an inch, it takes a hundred miles. And that's the deep end commentary. Let's get into COVID crazy. If everyone wore a mask, you could cut expected deaths in half. Because I represent science. <laughs> this week in COVID crazy. As I reported before, COVID-19 is not gone. It is just shelved until a more expedient moment for the cultural overlords who want to use it to control us. As the National Review report reports, mask mandates are coming back to Philadelphia schools as COVID cases tick up. Then Brookline, Massachusetts is reimposing their mask mandate on indoor buildings. Uh, good thing, ladies and gentlemen, that we have a president who's willing to set the proper example on how to handle COVID-19. Uh, take, for instance, this moment here where President Biden got off a plane in South Korea with his mask on and walked all the way down the flight of stairs, then got face to face with another leader and took the mask off to speak into his face. This is why, again, many of us have a problem with COVID-19 and the mask protocols, because it seems that it is always this convenient little tool to control us. At one moment, you're walking down a plane's set of stairs with the mask on, the next moment you take it off to talk to someone face to face. So why should we trust the experts? And here's the other thing about all this. Our world traffics in fear, and those who do not fear the Lord and his words have permission to freak out. My friends, this is why I've never been afraid during this entire last two and a half year fiasco. The scripture says in Psalm 39, 34 verse nine, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. So watch out for the fear monster. It's always ready to come out. It's always ready to come out and get you. Which brings me to the fact that monkeypox is coming. Monkeypox, just when we need another disease to freak out about. Yes, uh, the Daily Mail reporting that Europe is on red alert for monkeypox. The health chiefs tell the nations to prepare vaccination strategies amid scramble to contain the virus as Denmark becomes the 16th country to be struck down and Boris Johnson reveals number 10 is keeping an eye on the outbreak. Of course, it's only about 22 cases in Canada total and maybe 70 cases worldwide and a total of three in the United States. But this is kind of interesting. And I don't know how this news was allowed to get out. But from CNBC, the CDC has reported that monkeypox spreads in the gay and bisexual male community more than others. Dr. John Brooks, the CDC official, emphasized that anyone can get it. However, he said that many of the people affected globally so far have been men who identify as gay or bisexual. How did that news slip through? Like, how was that headline okayed by the heads of CNBC? It totally breaks the accepted narrative. Now, of course, Newsweek, Yahoo, leapt into action to make sure that we knew that monkeypox was not a gay disease and that we need to stop linking monkeypox to gay and bisexual men because anybody can get it. All you need to do is be in close proximity to someone. But it does bear witness 
to what Romans chapter 1 talks about? The wrath of God revealed from heaven against ungodliness and righteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth and therefore God hands them over to their unrighteous living and they incur upon their bodies this, the, the, the requisite uh, wrathful conditions from God? You know what works really well for your health, by the way? Monogamous marriage to a person of the opposite sex. I'm a living example of this. Because maybe monkeypox does spread through close contact. So how about this novel idea? Stop having close contact with people who you're not married to. See, when you have sex with only one person for life, the odds of picking up a disease that could kill you plummet. It also works really well for your wallet as you'll make more money and save more money, your social life as you'll be more careful about the friends that you keep, your mental health, and almost everything else is benefited when you do things God's way in the sexuality department. So... Watch out for this. But here's another thought about the reason for that CNBC headline, this one, making it through the gatekeepers of what is the accepted narrative for news and information. Maybe the powers that be, and I do believe in them, are starting to realize that if we keep promoting sexualities that do not produce children, we will not survive as a species. And the end is inevitable. The Wall Street Journal reporting that the U.S. total fertility rate in 2021 has remained below replacement level. The replacement level is 2.1 children per family. I don't know how you have 0.1 of a child, but you get the idea. Uh, yeah, we're not reproducing as we should be. Elon Musk is also cash, uh, uh, sounding the alarm on this, and maybe that's why they're also after him. But this is alarming, is it not? See, when we don't do things God's way, we don't actually follow his word, be fruitful and multiply. Uh, we end up paying because your greatest legacy will not be how many likes you have on Facebook, how many followers you have on Instagram, or how many reposts you have on Snapchat. Your greatest living legacy will be the children that you leave behind and how well and how noble they are in the communities in which they live. And that might not be culturally true, but it's 100% biblically true. Let's get into really good news. Close out the segment. Really, really, really good. That's really good news. It's good. Well, really good news first with some alarming news. Like, did you know that State Farm, the insurance company, was in the business of making sure that kids were taught sexual confusion? I didn't even know this, but State Farm is no longer supporting a group called Gender Cool. This is a program that includes books about gender identity uh, to uh, children as young as five years old. Victor Terry, State Farm's chief diversity officer, wrote an email to staff that we will no longer support that program, saying that conversations about gender and identity should happen at home with parents. Wow. Yeah. I mean, my first question is, of course, why is an insurance company involved in this? But the better point is that it's good news that there is some writing of the ship when it comes to the cultural crazy that even Bill Maher can see. And maybe it gives all of us just a little dose of courage. If you see something, say something, right? That's what they tell you at the airport. And your chances of dying in an airplane are so minimal, it's not even funny. But the chances of the human race surviving, if we keep progressing along these sexual deviancy lines, is very minimal. And so maybe we should say something. Maybe we should be the salt and light of the earth that Jesus talked about. Maybe we should sound the alarm on what is true, what is right, what is good, what is biblical. And let them mock us and hate us and vilify us. We wear it as a badge of honor. Rejoice when they persecute you and vilify you and say all manner of evil about you. For in the same way they treated the prophets who were before you. Today we herald the identities of Elijah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah. Why? 
because they stood against the cultural tide in Israel's ancient world and said, this is what God says. Do it and live. Don't do it and die. And everybody attacked them. But today, we name our kids after them. Because if you stand for truth in your generation, you'll outlast it. That's the show, everybody. Thanks for being here. I'm so glad to have you as a watcher, a participator of this channel. If you can support the channel, that'd be great. Tim Hatch Live, Cash App. Uh, some people ask me, does that go to me? Nope. This is all for the channel. The channel is funded by you. We want to get advertising out there. We want to send this channel farther than ever before. So if you can, head on over to timhatchlive.com support. And I will be back tomorrow night with another episode of The Deep Dive as we're getting close to the end of Romans. Can you believe it? We're almost to the end of Romans. And then we're going to take a turn with our Bible study content on this channel. But if you haven't already, make sure you smash that like button. Make sure you're hitting that subscribe button and giving the beard some love. I haven't said that in a while, but give the beard some love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and make sure you hit that notification bell so that you can notify it on your smart device every time we go live. Thank you for being here. I look forward to seeing you on the Deep, uh, deep Dive tomorrow night. God bless.